Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you about new clothes. My wife said, whoop, <laughs> new clothes. Um, most, most people, and you know, maybe not everybody would admit it, but most people uh, enjoy getting new clothes. Even frugal people can appreciate a brand new pair of jeans, a brand new shirt. I mean, today I walked into the green room in the back and they had two of the brand new washed t-shirts, baptism t-shirts laid out for me. And I put that on. I'm telling you right, immediately, I'm like, you, you, look, you, you look good, you feel good, right? Like, I mean, it's just a t-shirt, but something about putting something new on. How many of you understand that when you come into a relationship with Christ, you are taking off the old and you are putting on the new? And so some of you are new to the house and and you don't know this, but there used to be a lot more of me. 50 pounds to be exact. And so, you know, I've always wanted to get smarter, grow spiritually, but that whole healthier lifestyle, you know, all that, that, that how many think that's hard? Like, that was just hard for me. Uh, but I finally decided to do it, and I lost uh, about 50 pounds. And one of the things that came out of that is that when you lose 50 pounds, nobody really told me this. I guess I should have known it. But everything in your closet, good for nothing. Like, I understood pants. Yeah, obviously, you lose 50 pounds. You, 50 pounds, there's no way you're going to wear the same pants again. But I thought all the shirts would continue to fit. And what I found out about that is my shirt size changed by at least one in, in some brand, two shirt sizes, and so what used to be snug now looked like a dress. You know what I'm saying? It, like, uh, you know, I was excited that I lost the weight, but that was, that's hard on the pocketbook. But there was one person that really benefited, and he celebrated uh, my weight loss as much as I did, and that happens to be my dad. And the reason is because my dad got my entire closet. He tells people to this day, I haven't bought a shirt in two and a half years. Because he got the whole closet. He's like, I ain't worried about no mall. I ain't worried about shopping. I got everything I need free from my son. And I, I said all that to say this, where God is taking you, your old clothes are not going to fit. 
Some of you need to come up out of being carnal for a minute because I. some of the ladies are like, I'm taking this new clothes thing as that's a prophetic word that I'm going to the mall right after church. I am saying that robe of condemnation is not going to fit where God has taken you. That robe of shame is not going to fit where God has taken you. Come on, that dress of I'm not qualified, it's not going to fit where God has taken you. Anybody ready for some new clothes spiritually? Now, man, I, I hope I can slow down and preach this, but um, Matthew cha- or Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Go ahead and tell your neighbor real quick, just, just hit him and say, you need some new clothes. <laughs> Guys, all the men, I apologize. <laughs> I do. I apologize. But by the end of this, I think we'll get it. He's talking spiritual stuff. All right, Mark 2, verse 21. Jesus says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. And he continues, this is all the same thought. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need. In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The text that we just read can be broken down into three sections. The first section of the text is about the patch. Jesus said no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. He said the new piece of garment will pull away from the old and it will actually make the tear, the rip, the hole worse than it was before. The second part of the text was about the wineskin. Jesus said no one pours new wine into an old wineskin because the new wine would cause the old wineskin to burst and you would lose both the wineskin and the wine. But he finishes it up in the third part of the text, and he says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then he went on to say that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, this is going to be a a life-changing message for some people today because I think a lot of times we're trying to patch up the old, and God wants to give us the new. 
He said in our first verse, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. The imagery is of an old garment that has a tear in it. And he's saying that if you take an old garment that has a tear in it, and then you try to attach a new piece of cloth to it, when, when the garment as a whole faces any kind of stress, any kind of tension, it will rip apart at the seams and it will be worse than it was before. This is the analogy Jesus is making. Theologically, what he's really talking about, and I'm going to go ahead and put it out there and then I'll tell you how we know this, is theologically speaking, Jesus is drawing the, the analogy here and he's painting the picture that you cannot intermingle the law of Moses with the grace of Jesus. Now this is going to rub some people the wrong way because we've fallen in love with the law but we haven't fallen in love with Jesus. How, how do we know that's what he's talking about? Jesus is speaking to a group of people that were still, he's speaking to people that are holding on to the law of Moses. That's who he's talking to. And, and they're holding on to a list of do's and a list of don'ts. It's a checklist. But it was beyond what we would call the Ten Commandments. They were hanging on to hundreds of laws, hundreds of, of checklists of I, I got to do this and this and not do that and that. And, and they thought in their attempt to practice this that they would be pleasing and accepting unto God. And Jesus is showing them that the grace that is about to be released into the world, you will not be able to keep hold of the old law, law and just try to stitch grace to fix all the tears that will be in your life because of the law. I said a mouthful. Grace is not to be stitched in because of the holes that the law... How many know the law shows us we're not good enough? Now, if you're one of those people that you, you're, you're, you're just holy and you've never done anything wrong and all that, you know, we, we love you and we respect you, but the rest of us, have, we've all broken the law. And sometimes we break it, ask forgiveness, and break it again. We just don't want to tell you that. Where are all the real people at? So Jesus is saying... He's saying you, you can't mix the law with grace. You, you, you can't just try to stitch them together. Um, let's say it like this. Jesus wanted us to know that God is a tailor, not a seamstress. A seamstress is someone, come on, hit your neighbor and say, I need some new clothes. All right, here we go. It's making sense. All right. A seamstress is someone that adjusts hems, they mend tears, and they alter clothing. A tailor is someone who makes or fits clothing specifically for a person. 
I just want to tell Bethesda Church that God is not into the stitching business, and he's not into the patchwork business. He's not trying to take your old life and stitch a new life in there. God removes the old, and he's going to tailor make something specifically for you. Tailor made. He don't have to stitch anything back together. He wants to give us something that is tailor-made, something that is brand new. And, and the truth is, when you walk through life, life has a way of, of, of producing tears in your life spiritually. You, some of you have walked through a divorce. You've walked through a betrayal. You've, you've come through some addictions and, and, and some loneliness and some depression, and you've wronged some people, and some people have wronged you, and it's left all these tears in your life, but I just want to say, don't despair over the tear. All of us have failures, but God wants to take the old, wipe it clean, and give you something brand new, not just stitch all the holes in your life. <laughs> 11 o'clock, y'all pulling it out of me. I'm a little more fired up right now. Karen said, how'd the first service go? I said, well, I thought the word was good, but I don't know. Maybe it's me. How many's receiving this? Yeah. All right. When, when we see those places where we are coming apart at the seams, we often begin, if you're, if you're wired like me, not everybody's wired like this, but, but I know a lot of people and I'm connected to a lot of people that they want to fix stuff. Like, if, you, if something's wrong, you, you immediately start fixing. We have any fixers in the house? Like, people that get to work. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to change it. I, I'll make my to-do list. And we, we try to figure it all out. And, and whatever you've been through that has produced the holes, the tears, the rips in your life, it doesn't matter what it is. I, I'm, I'm saying, I'll say it very calmly, God wants to give you something new. Something brand new. Not just patch up the old. He's going to give you something brand new. So the first section of our text, he deals with the old garment that was torn. Second section, he says in verse 22, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. We have to understand in the days of Jesus that the wineskin was nothing more than a leather bag that was made specifically for the purpose of housing wine. But when the leather bags would get old, they would become rigid, which meant that when the wine would swell, when the wine would ferment in the old leather bags, the old leather bags were so rigid they would just burst, and so you would lose the bag, but you would also lose the wine. And, and, and so Jesus is showing us that a lot of times, we're, we're, let me just say it like this, sometimes the reason we can't handle the new is because we are too rigid. See, the old wineskin became rigid. It, it became less fluid, if you will. So it could not handle the stretching. And, and the wineskin that is meant to be a vessel used so that people could experience the wine, 
If it bursts, you, you lose what everybody is supposed to experience. And again, Jesus is showing us that you can't take the new wine, grace, and, you, and, and put it in an old wineskin, the law. He's also drawing an analogy here of the Holy Spirit. How many know that wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured out into your life? And, and so he's showing us that grace, the grace God has for you, is going to create something that is tailor-made for your life. If you want to be filled with the new, you can't come to God with your old priorities, your old perspective, your old thinking, and expect that you're going to get something new. Some of us have become so rigid and, and so like in charge, and we got our, this is my priorities, and this is how I believe it, and this is how I think God should do it. We're so rigid, God can't trust us with anything new. But if you want to be filled with something new, you have to become flexible. The wineskin, the new wineskin, flexible, fluid, could handle the stretching. We'll say that again, could handle the stretching. Many of us right now in this season of our life, we are being stretched. And I'll be honest with you, being stretched is no fun. We, 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 we get excited. Yeah, God's stretching me, and oh, yeah, it's, praise the Lord. But how many of that stretching thing, no joke. When God begins to, to stretch us, many times we fight God. We complain about the stretching. We complain that, that, that God is doing this in our, because we, we fail to understand that anytime God is stretching us, it's because he's trying to increase our capacity so that we can handle more of the tailor-made thing that he has for us, so that we can house what he is trying to do. And a lot of us, we're in the middle of the, we're like, we're like a newborn baby, you know, maybe a six-month-old child that's kicking and screaming the whole way. And, and that's the way we're acting because we don't understand that God is trying to increase our capacity so that we can handle more. See, this whole wine and wineskin thing, how I many of that applies well in the church world? The most rigid people I know are religious folk. They know their rules, they just don't know Jesus. Listen, if the only reason I stay married to Karen is because we have a contract at the courthouse, that's not much of a marriage. I need to be in love with the person, not the contract. My God, I, good preaching, Pastor Chad, good preaching. We get in church and we become rigid. But God is trying to move us to a new place of capacity. And, and when he's stretching us to, to increase our capacity, we have to understand that when he's doing the stretching 
and, and, and he's pulling on us and, and there's more weight and there's more responsibility because he, he's stretching us and we don't like it. The reason we, we don't like it is because we forget it's not about us, it's about what he's about to put in us. And I think sometimes we fail to, to as Ephesians, look at Ephesians 3. We know the verse, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. It's not even about us. It's about what's in us. And here's a point for you. An unwillingness to become new will limit your capacity. You can always tell when a church has settled in and decided we're not growing anymore, we're not learning anymore. Y'all know that church, right? My four and no more. Everybody else is going to hell. We're the only ones going to make it, bless God. Y'all know what church I'm talking about. See, I was raised like that. And, and I, I honor my upbringing, but, I, but I'll be honest with you, it took God a whole lot longer to get all the religion out of me than it did for him to deliver me. And he still, uh, sometimes I, I revert back to just like, you know, well, they're wrong, bless God, they're going to hell. I, I can find myself. Y'all ever think those kind of thoughts? I'm like, my goodness, this is a person. I don't want him to go to hell. Why, why are we so quick to say they're just going to hell? Do we, are we willing to lay our own lives down to make sure people don't go to hell? If they're going to go to hell, they're going to have to trample my body to go. We need some people that, that are willing to become a new wineskin so they can house the goodness of God. So they can be a blessing to someone else. I didn't plan to say all that, but it's good. I don't know about you, but I need God's grace. I need it more today than I've ever needed it. <laughs> if y'all only knew some of the thoughts went through my mind. Some days when I think I'm losing my mind. I must be crazy. How many are thankful for God's grace in your life? Man, I'm, I'm preaching way too long. Let's get here. Let's get to where we're going. Mark 2.28. This is the third section. We did the, the garment, the wineskin. Third section, Mark 2.28. So, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus made this statement, it was a big deal. Because the Jewish people, um, they, they took the Sabbath so seriously as a specific day that was set aside. And on that day, you don't do any work, anything that could profit you. You, you only pray. You only get into the presence of God. And I, I'm saying all those things are wonderful. Like, yeah, press in, pray, you know, take a day off. I, I believe in all that. But, but Jesus shows up and, and he finds them uh, in this setting that they take the Sabbath so seriously back then that they are actually becoming judgmental of one another. Like, you're not doing it right. No, you're working. You shouldn't be working. You, you done that. That's work. And so they're even arguing amongst themselves about 
what the Sabbath really is. And so Jesus shows up, and, and he's basically saying the Sabbath is not just a day on the calendar. He, he shows up and says, I am the Sabbath. Now, how many know that mess with some religious people? Like, he, he just said he, he is the Sabbath. He owns the Sabbath. And, and so it's a big, big deal in their minds. They're having a hard time comprehending it. And he reminds them of, because his disciple, what, what brought all this up? His disciples are going through a field, and because they're going through a field, it was perfectly okay in biblical times that if you walk through somebody's field and you were hungry, you could, you could break off a piece of grain and eat it. And it wasn't considered robbing. It wasn't considered stealing. It was just culture. But the Pharisees saw them do that, and they immediately said, they're working on the Sabbath. I ain't working, I'm hungry, you know? And, and so Jesus reminds them of when David went into the tabernacle and the bread, the communion, if you will, was set aside for only the priest, but David walked up in there and him and his guys were hungry and guess what they did? They took the bread that was designated for the priest in the holy tabernacle. And so Jesus is letting them know that, that the Sabbath, we, we gotta get away from it just being this certain day or that certain day. The, the Sabbath is when you and I create space Space in our lives for God to do what we cannot do. Where, where we say, I can't fix it, I can't change it. God, you got it. Anybody got something in your life that you can't change and you can't fix? God is saying, if you'll rest a little while and sit there a little while, I'll tailor make something for you and I'll do what you cannot do. Come on, if you believe that today, God will do what I cannot do. He's setting them up for this revelation of grace. And, and the truth is, guys, we live in a, an extremely, extremely busy world. Everybody you meet, you talk to them, how are you? I'm, good. I'm just busy. And, and I, I agree, people are busy. People are going back to school. There are people under the sound of my voice watching on, they're running their own businesses. Some, there are people in this room that have to work overtime every week. It's not an option. They have to do it. Um, some of us, you know, uh, we have more than one kid. <laughs> busy. Busy. Uh, there are some days I feel like a coach. Some days I feel like I'm just a taxi service. And on my off days, I get to pastor a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, people are busy. You're busy. I'm busy. People are busy. I, I get that. But I think sometimes we get so focused on what we have to get done that we start getting tears in our life. 
We're, we're so, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. I got to get this done. I got to be here. I got to be there. And, and the whole while we're going through things and that took a stitch out of us and that situation ripped a hole in us and this put a tear in us. And, and as this is happening, we continue to try to pour out, pour into our kids, pour into our job, pour into our spouse. We're pouring into everybody and we think to ourselves, if I could just get to a place where someone would pour back into me, then I could pour back out. And we go through life and we're like that car that many of you drove here today when the yellow light comes on. Like you need gas. Like you're, you're like, you not even going to make it to lunch. You're going to need gas. Many of us are living our life with a yellow light on. We are totally empty trying to pour, we got all these holes where we have, we've been leaking, like we've been leaking for years from, from that situation, this offense, and we're trying to pour out while we're on empty. And Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man so that man could benefit from it. Now, I'm, I'm going to switch it on you today because when I saw this, it really messed with me, but I want you to see it too. The Sabbath came as a result of the creation process, right? Jesus created for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested, right? He created, and then he rested. It was called Sabbath. And so God is, is so into this Sabbath thing that, that he rested, and if we're made in the image of God, how many know we are built to rest as well? And so it's an important concept, but I don't think we understand it from the proper perspective because many of us, our concept is I work real hard for five days, six days, and then I have a Sabbath. I work real hard for five, six days, and then I have a day of rest. That's our concept of Sabbath. If, if I could just fight through these tears and these rips in my life and make it a little bit further I'll get to a place that I can rest. If I can fight through another week, I will then be able to soak up the Lord. Like we, we're, we're thinking I'm going to work, work, work so that I can rest. We, we work to get to a place of rest, but I think we may have it backwards because when God created, he created six days and he rested on the seventh. But I want you to notice what God did on the sixth day, on the sixth day, God created man. God's seventh day was man's first day. God's seventh day was man's first day. What if you and I have been going about this the completely backwards? Like, what if instead of working so that we can rest, we are actually built to rest so that we can work? Oh, my goodness. What, let, let me show it to you in practical terms. What if instead of waiting until I get in trouble, 
before I call out to God? What if I just start my day out saying, God, what do you have that is tailor-made for me today? God, would you decorate me for this week before I even face it? Like, like what if instead of getting in the presence of God at the end of the day, we started in the presence of God? I think we have worked, worked, worked so that we can rest, and God is saying if you'll start from a place of rest, then you can work from a place of overflow. Now, some of you are like, I don't know. I'm just tired. <laughs> See, we, we need to ask God to fit us ahead of time. To fit us ahead of time. And he's really into this new clothes thing. As the worship team comes back, I, because this is not just a theological thing. I, God really is into this, spiritually speaking, new clothes thing. If you remember Lazarus, the buddy of Jesus. He dies because Jesus is four days late. And so he dies. And we, we know the story. Mary and Mar everybody's in a fit over it. And, you know, they're halfway offended at Jesus because, you know, if you're a real good pastor, you show up before they die. And <laughs> they are. Read the story. I mean, they're really upset. If Jesus was most people's pastor, they'd have left his church. <sighs> he shows up and he deals with the offense and all that's going on. But he says in John 11, look at it. Look at what he says. It says, when he, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The resurrection power brought new life, not only into Lazarus, but the resurrection power of God has brought new life into the believer. I am not the same Chad Dingus I used to be. I am a brand new man in Christ. That's why Paul said, I must crucify the old so that I can embrace the new. In order to receive the new, watch, I got to take off the old. And taking off the old is not God's responsibility. It's your responsibility. Not only did he tell that to Lazarus, but think about this. Elijah and Elisha. Elisha asked, give me a double portion. I want double what you got. And look at what the scripture says in, in this transfer. In 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, Elisha saw this. He cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him, went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And we know what happened next. He parted the Jordan. But what I, want to, what, what I want you to see is that for him to walk into a new anointing, he had to let go of the old. To, to have the new thing that's tailor-made for him, he had to let go of the old. Do you remember when David was praying for his baby boy to be healed in 2 Samuel? 
He's praying for his baby boy to be healed. And, and the boy doesn't make it. His boy dies. And a lot of people don't know this story. But, but look at what David did. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20, it says the child died, his boy died, and David had been praying and fasting up to this point. Verse 20, David got up from the ground after he had washed, he put on lotions, he changed his clothes. Did y'all see that? He changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped, then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food and he ate. David had been seeking God for the healing of his child, but his child did not make it. And David did something very interesting. Yeah, he got washed up, but he also changed clothes. Why did David change clothes? Because it was time for David to move on. There was nothing else he could do. He had already prayed. He had already fasted. It didn't change. It didn't turn out the way he thought it should. And so he went and he changed clothes. There are some people under the sound of my voice that it is time for you to change clothes because you have not moved beyond your last wound. You haven't moved beyond your last disappointment. You haven't moved beyond your last offense. And God is saying, if you want the new, you got to take off the old. Come on, somebody, give him a praise today. You got you to gotta take it off. Come on, stand with me all over this house. I've preached till I don't have a voice. But I, I want you to get... God has some new clothes for you, and they are tailor-made. What God has for you, I'm speaking prophetically right here, what God has for you is tailor-made for you. This is why the comparison trap is so dangerous. We look at what God is doing in someone else, and we, we want what, what is happening there. God's saying, I don't have to, to, to do that again. I have something specific for you. How many are ready for what God has specific for you? That's tailor-made for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. I preached longer than I anticipated, but I believe this message is for a bunch of people, but I want to speak to those that are here today. And you would say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I know that I'm not right with God. I need that grace you were talking about. I need Jesus to save me. I need him to forgive me. And, and I, I want that today. I wanna, I wanna leave here knowing that I am right with God. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. One, I see one, two, three, four, five, six right in that row. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Come on, where else are they? 16, 17, 18, 19, three more online, that's 22. Anyone else? Anyone else? That's, that's for me. Awesome, awesome. Here's what I want us to do. We're not gonna let you pray alone. We're gonna pray with you because we've been where you are right now. I want every voice lifted. I want you to pray loud enough where you can hear it with your own ears. Everybody together say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I am a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. 
I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate 22 people? Come on, give God a praise for them. So good. So good. Those of you that just made that decision to follow Jesus, I want you to, to take a minute during this last worship song. There is a red connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a moment just to jot down your name, let us know who you are, that you made a decision to follow Jesus. We want to help you take your next step. Bethesda, are we committed to helping people take their next step? Amen. That's what water baptism was about. That, that was a next step for people. We want to help you with that. God bless you. We love you. We're thankful for you. I'm going to ask that our prayer team and staff come forward. We're going to open up the altars during this last song. If you need prayer for anything at all, that's what this moment is for. So, so don't let it pass you by. We would love to put our faith with your faith and believe God for whatever it is you're believing for. Let's give Jesus the highest praise we have today, church. Come on. Give him a praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.